1: In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin, brought to you locally by Smiley One. Heating, cooling, and plumbing. Bryant and Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. All right, we're still looking at the aftermath of the game against the Patriots, which still, to me, was just a thorough lesson for Kevin Stefanski and getting just crushed by another head coach who just had a much better game plan and, and, and getting away from some of the things that fundamentally made you uh, successful in the beginning of the season and, and through the first five games. Again, I'm extremely hesitant on looking at the rest of this, uh, the, the uh, schedule, especially before Deshaun Watson gets back because the, the quarterbacks that they are about to face are going to be very, very tough. Yet today, There was still a little bit of an air of optimism, and if you were looking for the right thing to kind of push in the right direction, they're only a game out in the AFC North. The AFC North is not exactly, doesn't have the Eagles in it, so I think we're in good shape, especially after, and you said this yesterday, after losing three games in the AFC, you're, you're not making your life any easier, considering I think that's the first tiebreaker, second tiebreaker, when it comes to trying to figure out who's in the playoffs and who's not in the playoffs. But the playoffs are a word that shouldn't even be uttered in Berea right now. Getting back on track should be. They can do that with two games against the AFC North, and that starts with Baltimore this weekend, and then Cincinnati on on Monday night football.
2: Yeah, we can't even say we're on to Cincinnati yet, right?
1: (laughs) We're not even close.
2: I know. That's where the schedule makers. We're on to the Redbirds. The Bengals should be up next after belichick so then we could say we're on to cincinnati uh, after taking the beating from bill which again is not surprising by the way bill belichick tied george hallis for the second most wins in nfl history and he did it in cleveland and you know he enjoyed every second of that but bill i just like to remind you art modell is dead uh and And cleveland uh,
1: didn't fire you we didn't fire you uh
2: we did try and run you out of town that's true Wear that, yeah. We're we're again, that. you
1: you tried to put the media in a corner, right? <laughs> Behind a what? little line, the media can stand between this piece of garbage over here and this piece of garbage. Oh, I see how this is working, yeah. as Naven Johnson would say in the jerk. I get it. Uh, so but- you can win this shelf between this shelf and that shelf. Yeah, I think
2: um, Casey Coleman, the late great Casey Coleman, he like didn't want anything to do with anybody in the media
1: <laughs> except you, Casey. Yeah. yeah. I, although I will tell you this. Um, he was uh i think he had just started in new england and they were playing in the uh, pro football hall of fame game and i got a chance to do a like a 20 minute sit down with him um and you know i think if he's comfortable and he knows whoever is doing the interview isn't coming after him right he was pretty cool i mean i just wanted to talk to him about his time in cleveland and just you know what he thought and you know i thought he was honest he was nice he was i i, I It's it's
2: still amazing that coaching staff that he had with the Browns in the mid nineties. And you look at that coaching tree that blossomed from that. Mm -hmm. And like he and Nick Saban are like best friends to this day. I, you know, that the Saban, uh, Belichick, uh, documentary that I, I believe it was HBO, uh, did, it was phenomenal. And it was, it was fantastic insight. Into in, into being able to see both of them as human beings, because let's be honest about it, and we make this joke about Kevin Stefanski being robotic, but Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, when they're in front of the cameras and the microphones, they're pretty much robotic, right? And they, they can
1: be jerks too, right? I mean,
2: well, they they can be if they get the wrong question asked to them, sure, uh, which is. I, I get uh, sometimes, I mean, Nick Saban, especially some of those halftime interviews or the, you know, post-game interviews, he, he can get a little testy if he doesn't like a, a question that's asked, which, yeah, look, I mean, they're, again, they're human beings, right? They, they have right. feelings too and, and things going uh, on uh, in, in their minds and all that. But, um, you, you know, I, I just, it it really, when you look at his greatness, Andy, as a uh, as, as a coach, um, you know, he had the, he had utmost respect for the Browns franchise. And I think that that's important to, you know, let fans know. I, I saw a tweet from, uh, the, uh, one of the, the Patriots radio analyst saying how after the game, uh, Belichick stopped the buses outside the Jim Brown statue and made the team get out, wow. uh, 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 get off the bus and, you know, get, get to, uh, uh, check out, uh, you know, uh, the history, uh, that is laid out there. Um, he said years and years ago that he felt the Vince Lombardi trophy should have been named the Paul Brown trophy. Um, you you know what I mean? So uh, fans here in Cleveland don't, I just, I, I feel like don't have very fond memories of Bill, but I think that it's been easy to forget just how close the Browns were to being at the level of greatness that the Patriots hmm. have achieved under him because when he first got here, my God, it, I think it was that Bud Carson was the coach. that got fired yeah. and he replaced Bud and Bud was the Browns defensive coordinator when he replaced Marty Schottenheimer. And you know, Bill comes in and they not a good defense, you know outside of Bernie and some of the uh, offensive pieces that lingered over from those AFC championship game runs, mm-hmm. he kind of you know had to rebuild the rebuild some things. And mm-hmm. by the time that third, fourth year came around, 1994, hell they went eleven, I think it was eleven and five uh, ended up beating the Patriots in the wild card round to get to the divisional round. Mm-hmm. Um they went from like the worst defense in the league in, to like the best defense in the league over a, a three year period or four year period there you got here what 91 92 3 I'm I'm terrible with doing the math on no, your show No you shoulder. got it right we yeah, don't do for,
1: math on our show at all yeah. Yeah,
2: so. <laughs> so over you know four seasons in in four seasons they went from the worst to the best and I always draw that analogy with Eric Mangini the Browns were the most uh, undisciplined team uh, with Mangini, when he took over in two short years, they were uh, one of the most disciplined uh, teams uh, in the NFL. But he didn't get a third year because you know of all the the changes and Holmgren and all that. But yeah, I think it's easy to forget how good the Browns or, or the cusp the Browns were of being so good, if not great. And then, of course, 95, as they went into that season, the whispers behind the scenes that the team yeah, might move. And, yep. you know, everyone's looking into that story, trying to figure out what's going on for a few months. Team starts out re- good. Then the whispers start growing louder and louder and louder. And then all of a sudden it comes out uh, in late October, early November there. He's going to move the team to Baltimore, uh, you know, radio silence oh. from the team for a little bit. And then everything just falls apart, right? That yeah. entire season.
1: I mean, I remember trail. being in the locker room. They were, expected, the
2: lock- they, they were yeah. expected to go to the Super Bowl that year, right? Weren't they a popular yeah. pick?
1: I just remember being in the locker room and seeing all these Baltimore reporters now suddenly covering the Browns
2: yeah. in the
1: locker room as if it was their team. And I saw our reporters and their reporters like get nasty with each other because we were like, you're stealing our team. What do you guys And they're like, wow, our team got stolen from by Indianapolis. And I was just like, like guys what what is going on here art why why are you doing this why couldn't the expansion franchise go to baltimore you'd watch um, washington play every week in the nfl and they would have that sign that would say football in baltimore and and then you also had the baseball in dc thing going on there yeah too for a long time and it was just like why are we even you know how bad of a businessman was art
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Art, uh, really bad. To answer bad, that question, you know? Andy, Really, but really I, bad. Like,
1: I, I don't even, I will say, just let me bring one other point up back about Bill, too. Everything that you said all went through my mind when you saw James Ference's name on the roster as a backup offensive lineman. And then you think about Kirk Ference, and then you think about that tree that, you know, leads you back to yep. Cleveland. Um, yep. it just it, it, for a moment here, too. So I want to talk about the optimism. About trying to build their way back up in the AFC North because that seems to be the mantra heading into the heading into this week. I don't know how realistic it is, but I do know that they can pick. It is very possible if these guys execute the way they're supposed to execute. If they can do that, then they are right back in this thing.
2: It's a big if because we've yet to yeah. see that. That's the problem, right? And that's I mean, to date they're two and four, and this is ESPN put out the stat today. Uh, give Jake Trotter some uh, credit for this he he put this out that to date the Browns played the second easiest schedule but they're two and four right now and from here on out they played the toughest schedule uh, yeah so that's why I'm not optimistic sure they can play better of course I could go win the lottery too right uh, no, I think
1: <laughs> their are odds of playing better than you win the lottery just I right. think that just that being is honest true, with and, you just trying to keep you straight
2: and neither one are all that great. So, I, you know, and they've got two divisional games come up. Look, if 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 a miracle happens and they beat the Ravens and they beat the Bengals and they get back to four and four, they would be first place in the AFC North, and then you know the whole tone of conversation changes. I'm just not uh, too optimistic we're going to see that happen.
1: No, it's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. When we come back, I want to talk about a development in the NFL that could directly affect your Cleveland Browns and the way we see this team in the future. That's coming up on It's Always Game Day